Father's Day. Well, welcome. Uh, yes, I'm Pat Hegarty, one of the, the ministers here. It's great to have you if you're here for the first time. And Father's Day is uh, it's it's becoming more and more an interesting day. I had the privilege this week of sharing at a men's night at, a, at another church, and uh, we were just grappling with a bunch of guys, there were 60 or 70 guys in the room, and it was just what. This, is, this has been new for me. I've, I've been watching, as, as we've all been watching, the transition of culture over the last 10, 15 years. And men are a little bit lost more and more. They're, they're just not quite sure how to navigate, especially guys of my vintage where life, we were, it, was, it was a bit barbarian back in my day, I admit. We were all a bit Neanderthal. So we've, got, we've had to grow up and, and have a bit more finesse. But um, it's, uh, men are, are finding it difficult, largely, and losing their way. And look, that's not to say we don't have to grow up and mature and grow some extra skills in life, and that, that's all has to happen. We have to be better humans, but just to recognise the fact that that does cause attention in their life as well, and, and so many men are struggling with profound depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, all those sorts of things. Are, the, the ratios are going up considerably, and um, just the honour of ministering into that sort of space. So let's talk about fatherhood today, but more and more, and more about God's fatherhood and what that really means to our life. Because we've all got a biological parent, but we don't all, all have an earthly father. Is that true? We all have a biological parent. And uh, what would seem like science fiction when I was a teenager now is commonplace. There's, there's, there's IVF, there's uh, all sorts of different ways um, that, that kids are born these days. And, uh, and so they can often come into life without a father figure, without a solid male father figure. And we're afraid to call it out. And you know me, I'll go where angels fear to tread. We'll call it out. It's, uh, this is a different world now. It's not just every household you take for granted, there's male and female. Certainly for the longest time it hasn't been taken for granted that there's uh, two parents in a home. Uh, but now there, is, there are same-sex families, the whole thing going on. And so this, this is only going to become more and more an issue in life. And um, so fatherhood, we need to recognise, is different from biological parenthood. This is very important, and the, and the Bible has no real problem with that in its sense, because fatherhood is not biological in the sense that it's relational. Being a father is a relational thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. And so in a spiritual sense, he adopted these people to become their spiritual father, and it was, it was genuinely accepted in those days as it is today. And so there was no challenge with that. And so it could be a father figure, could be anyone who chooses to invest their time into helping people grow uh, and learn. So for those of us who do have fathers, a few of us have a perfect father. Um, it's, it's a very sensitive topic for us. It's charged with emotion. For, for many of us, it's charged with pure love because we've got the awesome dad. Uh, some, it's a sense of regret. Um, some, it's a sense of inspiration. Some, it's a sense of pain. Uh, and, and everywhere in between all those sort of spectrums. Some of us are very aware of what our fathers did do for us, uh, in a positive sense, maybe in a negative sense, uh, or we may be aware of how absent our fathers have been. But what it shows us is that the impact of this role in our life is massive. Just the role of godly fatherhood is massive. And so the great thing is we all have God, his offer to be our father. But how we appropriate that and how that looks in our life can be uh, highly skewed by experience. So, but this issue of fatherhood to God was so important that he put himself as the prime figure of fatherhood. He did that. He said, I am the father. He said, don't call anyone on earth father, for if you have one father, 
For you have one Father, and He is in heaven. Now, he wasn't discounting fatherhood there. He was just prioritizing the primacy of God. He's saying, I am the Father. And even the role of priesthood was, was not an abdication of, of fatherhood. He was saying, you know, you're calling these people in religious circles Father, but I am the Father. Don't let anyone come between me and you. I am Father in that primacy of role. And so God uses this to illustrate his highest priority, God's highest priority. He uses fatherhood to illustrate his highest priority. Because back in their day, we understood God as Lord, as we do today. Nothing wrong with that. But he's really saying, I'm taking on it as a primary role, father, because fatherhood is relational, not punitive. And in the Old Testament, God as Lord was framed religiously. He was framed as the Lord, and, and religion focuses on performance and rules and expectations, and this was the only lens through which they were seeing God. And he said, I want to uphold something very different to you and say, I'm not just a judge. I, I judge because I have to, but I am love, and lo I love as a father, as a good father, as a good, good father. And so he uses fatherhood to change his framework of how we see him from not just Lord to but being relational. He describes himself as a father and uses all the descriptors around that through scripture. I am your protector. I'm the giver of good gifts. I'm the one who meets and runs towards the prodigal. And it shifts our focus from performance to people. And we've got to really understand how important this is to God. Because Christian folk, religious folk, I had the, the honour of doing a wedding yesterday afternoon and almost no Christians there. I love that scenario. Uh, it's just like challenge accepted. And they, they just love to see religious folk as people who, who bow to Jesus as Lord rightly so, but they don't understand this whole idea of fatherhood because they've seen in the news reports how skewed it's all gotten and father figures do such terrible things sometimes. Then I just owned up and I said, we just do dumb things. That doesn't mean God the Father is, is corrupted. That fatherhood is real and fatherhood is pure. And so God wants to reframe from performance to people and he wants to do it so we do the same thing. So we stop seeing this world and our sons and our daughters and our fathers and mothers through an eye and a lens of performance, but see it as relational. Because fatherhood emphasizes personal value in our life. Now, if I did a snap poll here and polled our experiences with our fathers, it'd be fascinating. We've got a bit of software we're trolling right now that puts answers up on the board, but we haven't, I haven't got it ready for today. But it'd be fascinating to see our lens of fatherhood. It's common when I ask people in, in ministry and such, how do you see your father? And the common response, especially even guys, oh, I know he loved me. I know he, I know he loved me. How do you know that? Did he tell you? No, no, he didn't tell me, but I knew. Because he kept turning up. And he saw love as providing for the family. He was a bit distant, struggled to show emotion. He was a bit of a rules guy. And, and I know my father is one who disciplined me, but I came out all right. It didn't hurt me. Ever heard those lines? Ever said those lines? This is often the lens through which we see fathers because they've struggled historically to show or even own the role that emotional input is actually a normal part of life. And a lot of that has been framed by just the fleshiness of, of maleness but also the religious framework for hundreds of years that's presented God as Lord and a rules-based Christianity, whereas God took such a high priority to say this is a relational-based framework here. And so we need to reset our idea of what it looks like to look at God and to have him look at us. Because here's what we know. Much of your identity, much of the way you see yourself, not even in your mind, this goes deeper, because deeper than your soul is your spirit. And in your spirit, your spirit doesn't have its own 
way of articulating. It's almost like your spirit cries out. And your spirit will cry out whether you are secure, whether you're broken, whether you've been through trauma, whether you feel loved, whether you have identity, and your spirit will exercise itself in that way and your, your soul will give voice to that. And your soul will form rationales and constructs in, of, of dealing with life based on trying to find a resolution for what's going on inside of your heart. So if your heart is aching because it's lost a father, you'll, you'll form ways in your life to, to resolve that pain. And we know that much of your identity is gained from how you perceive your father to see you. So it doesn't need to be about truth. It's how you perceive your father sees you. He may see you completely different from how you perceive he sees you, but your lens determines how you think he sees you and therefore your identity, your, your sense of self and your worth is anchored in that. True or not? Because perception is reality when it comes to the human heart. So if he was a distant disciplinarian... You'll see yourself, naturally, you'll tend to through the lens of shame. Everything's about punishment. If he was an accepting protector, you'll see yourself as being worth being valuable. If he abused you in some way, whether it's emotionally or physically, you'll say to yourself, or you'll tend to, I'm only valuable if I do what people want. It'll become, again, a performance-based mindset. So that statement that I said before, I knew he loved me, he was a bit hard on me, but I knew he loved me, it's going to produce sons and daughters that learn how to perform because acceptance only came through performance. If he was distant, we learn to rely on ourselves. If he was close, if he was interested, I see myself as interesting and worth investing in. So obviously, when we consider God then as our Father, we're going to overlay all these assumptions on him, rightly or wrongly. But that's where Scripture comes in. That's where the Spirit comes in. And Scripture re can redefine our logic and then the Spirit can give voice in our spirit. This is where Paul says, don't you know your sons, your daughters? And this spirit of adoption cries out. It's a spirit. Cries out. Dad, that's the first response. That's the most holy response of God's Spirit in you. It's not speaking other languages and prophesying. That's not the most holy response of being filled with the Spirit. It's the spirit of adoption crying out, Dad, I'm home. Come home, because all he wants for you is to come on home in your spirit, to find a resolution again, to find yourself again with God. So let's have a look at some of these facets of God the Father. And I want to get to one particularly that I think the Lord's really breathing on. The first one is that fathers, good fathers, draw out the gold in their kids. They draw out the gold. Fathers look for and they mine deep in the spirit of their kids for what's inside them. They don't focus on the dross. And by, when I say that, you know what it's like to... to maybe you don't, to dig a mine. When you're quarrying, there's all the dross and then there's a little gold seam of stuff that you're searching for. And you focus on the gold, not the dross. But often as parents, we can focus on the dross because the dross annoys us. The dross reminds us how our kids aren't performing. So we say, can you, can you stop the dross? And we lose sight of the gold. But good parents, good fathers particularly, know how to draw out the gold in their kids and they create a vision for what can be and they draw that out rather than always focusing on what's wrong. Because what happens when you bring focus to what's wrong? You bring focus to it. It just keeps repeating over and over again. But they create a vision. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God. You see what he's saying there? A father encourages and draws out the gold in us. And spiritual fathers can do that as well. 
And so fathers, if I could give one bit of advice today, don't let your voice of discipline be louder than, the, than that of encouragement. Get the ratio right there. I know discipline has to happen. We, that's, even in the father framework, discipline is a forming. It's not necessarily punishment. Discipline is, in the biblical sense, a formation. The, the spiritual disciplines are a forming exercise. And so we help form our kids. So foster and value what makes them great humans, not high achievers. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference between living vicariously through our kids and knowing that their success is going to be an illustration of my success and helping them to become great human beings who aren't driven by success. And kids, you and I, all of us, we've got to remind ourselves all the time that we're a co-heir, we're a beloved child, we're adored. We're not just tolerated. We may feel like life just tolerates us, but we are adored by God. And we need to pray for revelation of that. Next thing about fathers. Fathers give us what we need, give us what is good. They don't hold back. Sometimes we get a sense of our fathers that, you know when something goes right, you just have, you're on a purple patch in life, it's going, and you're just waiting for the train wreck to come. You're waiting for God to take it away. We get this mentality that this is what fathers do. He's a disciplinarian. We can't be too good for too long. He's going to take it away from us. But look what Jesus says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or ask for a fish, you'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who are? He's not holding back. This God in heaven knows what we need. If it's important to you, it's important to him. And the Father gives good, good gifts to his children. I love the, the illustration, and I won't go into depth of, of, the, of the prodigal son. That illustration is really the prodigal God. It's actually not about the son. The whole story is not about the son, elder or younger. It's about God who is portrayed running to their sinful child because of who he is, not because of what the son has done. And that's a whole illustration of fatherhood. Love comes because fathers love, not because kids deserve it. Amen? None of us deserve it, but he gives it because of who he is. Thirdly, fathers never get tired of chasing and caring for us. Many of us have prodigals. Many of us have prodigals. We understand the pain, don't we? We have a dream, we have a vision for our kids and we see them exercising the boundaries there and we want to freak out, we want to control them. But what's, so what's the role of a parent there? Well, Jesus exemplified it. You lay your life down. You, lay, you make yourself a bridge for your kids, even if it's lying in the mud, so they always have a path back, even if it's on top of your back on which they walk. You do whatever it takes that there is not a barred door based on performance back into our house. That's what it looks like to lay your life down for your kids. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than the 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. There's just something in a parent, and now that I've had kids who have now had kids, you see that begin to grow in your own kid's heart. This truth that comes from 3 John 1. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Isn't that true? Any parent that knows that feeling, there is no greater joy. Am I the only one? I'm the only one. <laughs> I can pray for you after the service. I'm hoping there are parents who know the joy 
of watching their kids walk in truth. I know as a spiritual parent, I know as a pastor of a church, there is no greater joy, and it's every leader's cry. It's not that they perform and they get recognition. It's none of that. It's seeing the people that they're ministering to rise up and become all they can be. There is no greater joy. That is leadership. Fathers never get tired of it. A father makes a way and sees, you, sees it through with you, no matter what. Fathers make a way for you. This is the greatest thing about fathers. Talk about friends in high places. They actually, they, they will be with you on your journey, regardless of what that journey is. And they'll always be with you to bring you home. They'll always be there. They might not agree with where you're going. They might not love everything about your life. But a good, good father will take you where you are and say, I know where true north is. Come on, let's go. We're getting you there. And rather than seeing their kids as owing them something by the way they live their life, the fathers become a provider in the story where the kids themselves become the hero. And so the kids aren't aware so much of what the fathers bring. They're aware of their story. Now, you and I might know this in your own heart. When you pray, is it not about your story? Is it not about your destiny? Is it, God, can you open doors for me? And God, as a good, good father, says, I'm okay to have you the hero in that story because it's all playing out as a part of my larger story. But you don't need to know what I'm about. You need to know that I'm about your story with you. Fathers become the unacknowledged scaffold in the kid's life. And this is where, as parents, we can do a heart check on this, a motive check. Because we all can tend to lean into the, our kids' lives and, and live vicariously through them. We want them to succeed because if, if they don't turn out well, then somehow it's going to reflect back on me. Or am I living a life where I just want to bless the kids and have them become whoever they want to be? How do I tell the difference? Well, peace will be the sign. If your kids go away that you don't want them to go and you lose your peace, then there's probably a good chance that there's a little bit more of your own dreams involved in their life. But if you're, able, if you're free, if you're able to bless them no matter which way they go, and you can find that peace, that's a good sign. But fathers, see them through the whole journey. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how God, your God, carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. See, fathers will carry you always. And God's blessing upon your life is not a sign that your life is on the right track. God's blessing upon your life, this will keep the room quiet, because we, we naturally assume if God's blessing my life, it's a, it's a positive tick, I must be on the right track. Not necessarily. He's doing it because of who he is. He blesses you because he's a blesser and he's a father. He'll always have that call, come on home, come back to the promised land. But he's, if you keep wandering off the track and if you keep going, he may not like it, he doesn't want it, but he's going to be there right there with you and keep calling you home. That's what good fathers do. Finally, fathers are a refuge for their children. Fathers are a refuge. They never stop. When I used to be a motor mechanic and an engineer, I used to liken fathers to being shock absorbers. Does anyone know what a shock absorber is? They, uh, if you don't have a shock absorber on a car, you have springs and you hit a bump and the car just keeps going boing, 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 boing. But shock absorbers buffer that. They go, I've got you, and they ease you back. And fathers, good fathers, are a shock absorber. Whatever the load that comes, whatever the shock, whatever the road brings, I've got you. I've got you. I'm your refuge. However bad it is, however dark it is, I'm going to walk this journey with you, not based on how much I like it, how much I love you. This is the sacrifice of fatherhood. 
Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. See, what happens to us, guys, all of us, this, now, this is where it lands. If we don't have a father that's a refuge in our life, if we don't know God as a refuge, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find refuge in every other thing. And we've created refuges in our life. You can rattle them off. Fantasy life. A victim mentality. Indulgence. Indifference. Retail therapy. Alcoholism. Pride, possessions, ambition, social media, they become a refuge for us. It's where we go when we need that break. Isn't that that thing where I'm overloaded, I just need time, I just need a spot, I need a space, I need to be safe. Let me flick on Facey for a while. What are we doing? We're creating a refuge of something. If I am addicted to anything, it's because I've created a refuge in my life. And God is supposed to be that refuge. All those addictions, all those dreams, all those things that drive us far more than we know is healthy are a false refuge. And normally they come because we've never known God the Father as a true refuge. So fathers, if you have love for your kids and accept them, create a refuge for them. Buffer their storms. When they're hardest to love, when our kids are the hardest to love, let me tell you, it's when you need to show love the most. That's the time when they deserve it the least, when they're kicking and they're screaming and they're running and they're full of dirt and mud, that's when they need to show love the most. And children, us, if you have a false refuge, we need to learn how to rely on God again. You can't hide in that thing forever. (laughs) Okay, so how do we apply this? We've got to leave our false refuges. God's our only refuge. Come to God as a trusted father. In your own loneliness and lostness, you might have sought out another refuge, but you need to bring your trust back to him. Repent of that refuge and come to him. So God's call for all of us is just to come home to dad today. Just come home. Stop running, stop avoiding, stop seeking false refuge. Come home to a father who loves you, whose acceptance and love isn't based on your performance. He's not going to be shocked or surprised by anything you've done. Just come. Come home. Allow him to heal your wounds, touch the scars, touch the embarrassment, touch the shame in your life and turn that into something sacred. What I'd love to do, because we can't do this on our own, is I'd I'd love to pray for our fathers. We don't need to make this weird. Sometimes we want to say, oh, we want to include this, we want to include that. Today's Father's Day. Can we just pray for fathers? Because they need it. So if, if you're a father today, can I just get you to stand up? They're way better looking than I thought they would be. It's a, it's a mask on your dunk. So guys, God loves you. But what I'd love to do is, can you join me in something together? I'm a father too. Can you join me? Can I get, get us all to come out? And I'm going to get everyone to pray over you and, uh, and bless you. With the come out the front. And, just, and face the front with us so they can get a good look at you. And I want to pray, and then I'm going to get you guys to do something for everyone else. This is really a church full of fathers. It's a, it's a church that's where men have come to life. We respect these guys. They're not perfect, but they're good. So everyone else... If you could just reach a hand out. 
And if, you, if you've been offended by some of these guys, if they've been imperfect to you, ask for God to forgive them and bless them. There's way too many people laughing at that. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Let's pray for these guys. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come. Holy Spirit, Spirit of adoption. These are mere men, mere men, flesh and blood, but they fulfill your sacred duty. They model who you are. Give them strength, God, to care when they've got no strength left. Where they've been orphaned, make them sons who know love. When they're misjudged and misunderstood, give them the strength to be bigger people. When they're confused, give them wisdom. When they're afraid, let them find peace in you, not lash out. When they feel worthless and a failure, let them find themselves in you. Father, all of us as fathers, we've all let you down. Forgive our failings, but Father, fill our vision and make us men after God's own heart. Amen. Amen. Now, guys, don't go anywhere. What I'd like to do is, is have you join together in something that only a father can do, and that's release a father's blessing. I don't know whether you've ever done that, but I'm going to speak. What I'm going to do is speak it out loud, line by line, and as I say a line, I want you to say, Amen, at the top of your fourth musketeer voice. <laughs> All right? Masks or no masks, I don't really mind. But if you agree with me, I'm going to say, say it, and you say, Amen. And you're praying for these guys, you're praying for the kids, you're praying for those who aren't here. And for those who aren't here, picture them in your mind. So when, as I pray the blessing, each line of it, I'll say, say it, and you go, Amen. I bless. So he's going to pray for all of you now, so you can all close your eyes and just receive. We bless you with overflowing peace a peace beyond comprehension. Say it. Amen. Say it louder. Amen. I bless you with life and fruitfulness, good fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. Say it. Amen. I bless you with the healing of all wounds of rejection, neglect, and abuse that you've suffered. Shout it. Amen. I bless you with success. May you prosper in all you do, enabling you to be a blessing to others. Shout it. Amen. I bless you with health and strength of body, soul, and spirit. Say it. Amen. I bless you with spiritual inheritance, for you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Say it. Amen. I bless you with depth of spiritual understanding and a close walk with your Lord. Lord, shout it. Amen. I bless you with life-giving relationships. Say it. Amen. I bless you with my favour and approval. Shout it. Amen. I bless you with abounding love, and may you all minister with God's comfort and grace to other people. Say it. I bless you with my own unconditional love. Shout it. Amen. I bless you with a Father's blessing. Shout it. Amen. Amen and amen. Now, fathers, will you join me as I pray on behalf of all of us? Sons and daughters, sons and daughters, God loves you. You are unique and anointed. You are a gift from God. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. The Lord your God is with you. He'll take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He rejoices over you with singing. And God Himself sings over each of us here today. He says, I've chosen you to be my child, called by my name, adopted into my kingdom to inherit all of my love in Jesus, our Saviour and Lord. I welcome you as a member of my family and I bless you to know your identity in me. I've created you to know my love, to receive it and share it with others. I bless you to know this destiny in your heart and your soul. You are called to live as a child of mine. 
chosen and loved, forgiven and cleansed, released and set free. I, the Father, sing this blessing over you now and release you into the authority and responsibility of your calling. I've chosen you to live in a peace that passes all understanding. I've chosen you to be fruitful, to prosper and to be successful. I've chosen all of you to live in God's health for your body, soul and spirit. Pursue me as a father and I'll pursue you and take you into new depths of relationship, spiritual insights and maturity. You have favour with God and with men. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Walk now in authority. Walk in my promises and blessings. This is your destiny. This is your calling. I will guide you. I will not let you fail. And so, Lord, may the warmth of your healing go into all the deep places of our heart. Father, healing rejection, will you pour in acceptance? Healing past neglect, hold each of these in your arms with unconditional love. Healing painful abuse, cleanse them and allow them to rejoice that they are your child. Healing abandonment, God declares he'll never ever leave you or forsake you. And for this reason, I kneel before our Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.